Well, good morning. I was thinking, do I need to introduce Gabe and Danny? <laughs> I think you all know who, we, who they are. Um, but uh, before we start, let's, let's open with a word of prayer. Can do that. Father God, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you uh, first that we uh, did not get dumped on last night and we were able to make it here this morning safely and uh, in the snow. Father, we thank you for uh, bringing Gabe and Danny to us uh, this Sunday morning. We pray that you'll bless them as they share their ministry with us. And we just thank you so much for them, for you'll continue to encourage and support them in, in all that they're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Try not to upset the microphone too much. Walking up here. Greetings. Greetings. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Um, yeah, um, I think all of you um, know of us or, or know us, but um, my name is Gabe and my wife Danielle is from, you know, a, a fairly well-known family, uh, a local family, the Schulkies. Um yeah, so it's such a it's such a blessing and uh, privilege to be here with all of you. Thank you all for braving the snow and the crazy morning to get here. We also have braved the snow, and I'm I'm flying out actually kind of mid morning, well middle of the how do you say that? Very very early. Um, I'm gonna fly out at eight, so we've got to drive out very early tomorrow. So I'm in a bit of a a haze from all the last-minute details, so you'll have to forgive me if this is less composed. <laughs> but um, here we go. We're working so far. So um, this is our family at present. We're standing in front of the mission center where we work. There's a missions training center. Um, and this is a very recent picture because Lazarus is only eight months old at this point. Um, Danny and I kind of talked over what are we really passionate about um, that we do at this um, ministry where we're working right now? And came up with something of a mission statement. So since 2017, our family has been serving the Lord at Marine Reach, which is a New Zealand-based ministry that disciples, trains, and mobilizes young men and women from around the world interested in following Jesus wholeheartedly into whichever realm of society and culture he leads them. We are passionate about ministry occurring in an environment where people are honored and valued, each individual is championed and belongs, and where teaching and training occur within the context of everyday life, as all of us learn to be more like Jesus. So that's what we believe in, um, and I've got a few slides to share about first the broader organization we, we fall under, YWAM, and then our branch um, of Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, and then our roles in that. So this is like the, the vision behind it. And in the next few slides, you'll see a little bit of how that works out in our daily life. So um, we work with a ministry called Marine Reach, Marine Reach, New Zealand. Sorry, that's probably quite small on the screen that side. I'll read it so you can see. Um, it's, Marine Reach was birthed from Youth with a Mission, uh, or YWAM, 
the organization YWAM. YWAM was a movement launched in 1960, and they had a vision to provide a complementary path into missions that's inclusive of young people, but supports other missions movements. So um, some of you may have been around in 1960. Um, what was going on in the missions world in, in that time frame was there's lots of wonderful missions organizations operating. Um, the model that they were following at that time uh, was that you went to several years of seminary and there was uh, several hoops that you kind of needed to jump through, which was great and wonderful in the sense that it sent out really well-equipped missionaries. But uh, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, kind of had a vision of reaching young people who were in that season of deciding kind of what they want to do with their life and providing them like a less complicated opportunity to get a taste of missions and to really like feel out what the calling that the Lord had on their life without necessarily needing to go through years and years of training. So the years and years of training and the other missions organizations are something we wholeheartedly believe in and we want to champion them and even send some of our young people who decide that missions is what they want to do to other missions organizations. But what YWAM did is it, um, took some of the barriers out so that a broader range of people could get experience in missions. Um, and that's what we still do to this day. The vision statement, um, the simplified vision statement of Youth with a Mission is to know God and make him known. So it's an organization that sends out missionaries, but they're, they always undergo some training to make sure that their faith and what they believe in is clear. Um, so that they, they have an opportunity to know God from the Bible, the God of the Bible. And then evangelism or uh, mercy ministries are extensions of how we make God known in the world or try to introduce people to Jesus. So. This is a fairly recent school. I'm not even in the picture, but Danny's over here in red polka dots, flower, floral print with Samara. That's actually, I believe that's Samara. Danny's not watching. Anyway, um, this is one of our schools. This is our training facility where we do the lecture phase. Um, I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. So Youth with a Mission, the organization we come from, um, it's international. It's in nearly every country in the world, and it's multi-denominational. So we have um, young people from all different denominations come and coexist, and that provides many... Um, discipleship opportunities because people come from very different backgrounds. I remember we received a, a young man who's a, around the age of 26 who had just decided to leave the Amish community um, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and he came eight months after that, uh, after being immersed in the Amish community for um, 26 years of his life into a YWAM school and we embraced him and, and walked with him where he was at. So there's um, people from all different church backgrounds can come um, and we try to encourage people to, um, yeah, to search out what they really do believe and really um, find Jesus in their, in their time with us. Now, <clears throat> YWAM desires to release people into what we call a spheres of society. So um, you'll notice that church and missions are among the things we train people for. 
but it's not all we believe we're called to prepare people for. So um, these things, celebration and all of these categories, arts, entertainment, sports, economics, business, science, technology, church missions, family, education, government, media, um, these are all things which kind of help to shape the world that we live in. And um, we are not disappointed when somebody comes and gets a missions experience and feels called into media. We're not disappointed when somebody comes in and, and meets God and then feels called to go into government. Um, we as a ministry believe that um, there, Christians are needed in all of these places to be society shapers. Um, if the world is going to be become what God desires for it to be. And so, um, yeah, we, we release people into missions. We have people come back and serve with us. Um, we have people go to other missions organizations, but we equally celebrate when they feel a sense of calling to go into one of these normal vocations and hope that their time in YWAM, their experience in missions, will become foundational to who they are and they'll walk out a relationship with God and make him known throughout their life in whatever sphere of society they, they end up in. It's just some pictures from a recent Bible school. Um, <clears throat> so early on, YWAM pioneered a ship's ministry and, and the, our organization, Marine Reach, was a part of that. Right now, we're not actively involved in that, but I usually like to have a slide to familiarize people because we were part of the YWAM Mercy Ships movement early on. So in 1978, <clears throat> YWAM began renovating their first ship, which was turned into a floating hospital, essentially, and uh, provided medical care in developing nations where it was they were difficult to access, uh, uh, it was difficult to access ordinary hospitals. And in 1990, our branch of YWAM, Marine Reach, was launched, and it was originally an extension of the ship's ministry, actually. Um, we had smaller vessels so that we could reach the kind of coral-ringed islands um, of the South Pacific. They required a, a smaller berth so that they could get over some of the coral reefs to get to the, so we operated smaller ships. Um, for about 30 years and our most recent ship which Danny and I have actually sailed on um, it, it currently is operating independently under the captain in South America and the Caribbean providing medical relief um, and during the time that Danny and I have been there the founders have decided to release the ship's ministry part and allow the captain who's a good friend of theirs to run that because it's been too difficult to um, to sort of lead the uh, growing training center and our Vanuatu ministries, which I'll talk about, as well as the ship. Um, so they're allowing him to do that, Captain Marvin. This is the Pacific Hope. They went into the Haitian earthquake, right? Uh, yeah, they went to Haiti, and then Dominica was hit by a really bad cyclone. And then most recently, there's been a few disasters that have hit <clears throat> kind of the Amazon basin of South America. So most recently, the ship has been coming into some port cities to provide relief uh, along the Amazon River. Okay, so um, that's kind of the where the organization originally started. 
and what our branch of, of the organization originally started. Here we're going to come a little bit more present um, and what we've grown to do in the present. Hopefully this is making sense. <laughs> so <clears throat> the main work that we run at the training center is called a discipleship training school. It's a five-month course. Um, there'll be three months where young people come in and they'll get lectures um, every morning and the lectures cover um, the character and nature of God. Um, there's a, a week to learn more about Jesus, his, his life, and actually study um, how he spent his life and what he did on the cross. Um, there's mentorship provided for young people, so they'll have somebody like myself or um, one of our staff members walk with them and meet with them weekly and challenge them to sort of take hold of what they're learning and make choices. Um, and then during that time, we'll do um, evangelism trips, but it's all gearing toward, we'll do evangelism in town in New Zealand where we're at, but it's all gearing toward an outreach, which is a short-term mission trip, which is the final two months of the school, where they'll have one of our staff members be a leader of a team. The teams range from probably five to 15 pe uh, people total. And those teams will be sent out, usually to the South Pacific, to, um, to do some sort of missions outreach, to support churches, evangelize, do medical clinics. There's different focuses um, that each of the groups of um, students will have. So for instance, Danny and I went to Vanuatu when we were students on, we, we took this school, the Discipleship <coughs> Training School, and we went to Vanuatu and did evangelism and medical clinics in um, some of the farther out islands in Vanuatu and rode the ship to them and had a wonderful time just, uh, yeah, teaching people about Jesus and praying for the sick and um, also caring for the sick. This is one of our recent schools. During COVID, we, uh, we were not able to get internationals in, and so these are actually all the, all the students you'd see here are New Zealanders or Australians. Um, the warrior here is part of the welcoming celebration. This is a tra uh, Maori warrior in traditional dress. So the uh, indigenous people of New Zealand are Polynesian. Um, so if you've been to Hawaii, um, the Hawaiian people are Polynesian, and some of the islands throughout the Pacific have a Polynesian heritage. Um, in Maori, the uh, formal dress for a ceremonial event is all black, which is why everyone's all wearing all black. And um, the land that our missions training center is located on was some of the first land that was unjustly seized by the British during the wars that they had with the Maori. And the founders of our organization and the leadership of our organization have been um, just walking in a relationship of reconciliation with local Maori leaders. So they come to our events and um, lead us through the protocol of, of ancient Maori welcoming ceremony. So we welcome our students that way with um, the people. And there's a healing of relationship that's going on there that's really cool. Um, in addition to the other school that I talked about, the DTS, we call it, there's a Discipleship Bible School, which we call DBS. We really like our acronyms in YOM. 
<laughs> um, the, the Discipleship Bible School is a three-month intensive course. So students come who want to learn more from the Bible, um, and they're just given an intense crash course on how to study the Bible in an inductive way, in a bit of a deeper way. And they will read through the entire Bible in three months and with, a, with a group of their other students and have lectures and discussions every day about what um, they're reading. And it's amazing the growth you see when a young person decides to give three months of their life just to living in scripture and reading it and talking about it day and night. So that's a really cool school. This is one of our classrooms. I actually got to sit in on most of the lectures for this one because it was during COVID, so a lot of these are our staff members. And we, we were going to launch this Bible school, and uh, all of a sudden the New Zealand borders closed and we had no students. So the leadership of our base said, well, it'd be really great for all of our staff members to spend three months in the Bible. So they threw it open to staff members to attend it in the middle of COVID, and so I was sitting somewhere down here off screen. but. Um, many, many of our staff members got to attend through this school, which was very cool. Oh, buddy. Okay, the last part of Marine Reach, the organization we're working with that I'll share about today, is they've decided to pioneer a medical and training center work in the nation of Vanuatu specifically. Um, they felt led by the Lord to focus on Vanuatu. It's a small nation of about 380,000 people and um, very poor medical care. Um, it's a traditionally Christian nation, but domestic violence is fairly rampant and there's some problems um, in terms of walking out the gospel that the leadership felt stirred in their hearts to support and disciple um, the nation of Vanuatu. So a lot of our outreach teams spend their two-month uh, trip of outreach there. And uh, we've established a free medical and dental clinic on the main island. Um, the main island is called Efate. And um, there's also been a training center that's established there that runs a one of our discipleship training schools specifically for local people of Vanuatu to get a missions experience, um, which is very cool. And there's a ministry called Mat Time. Um, it'd be difficult to explain, but the nation of Vanu Vanuatu uh, operates in a very kind of patriarchal way, um, and and there's a um, tendency for like a lot of the roles of running a household and everything to be run by women and then sometimes men are idle and it can create um, drug problems there's a lot of drug addiction problems and um, abuse problems are, are the main problems there so one of our um, Vanuatu born guys that was on staff in Vanuatu decided to build one of their traditional chiefs huts on the land that we have and invite the men of the community in for what he calls mat time. And they would sit around, but rather than drinking kava or using drugs, um, as would be normal to do in one of those huts, um, he talks with them about what it means to be a man. They, he brings out things like chess or um, teaches them a game, and then they spend time together. And he's really invested in um, the men learning to be godly men in that 
area. So I'll show a picture of that in just a moment. But this is one of our uh, classes. Uh, all of the ones holding certificates are students who graduated from the Discipleship Training School. So all of um, those young people with certificates would have come just from the neighborhood, from the jungle, <laughs> out in Vanuatu. And each of them, at this, at this point where this picture was taken, would have been through three months of training in the character of God, the nature of God, who God is, the Bible, and been sent on an outreach for, a missions outreach for two months to their local community. So it's very cool, just a real privilege to be able to, to champion people from Vanuatu to reach Vanuatu. What about the ones not what did you They are staff members. They're not flunk. Uh, they didn't flunk out of the program. Thank you for pointing that out, Josh. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, this, this man here, is, his name is Edward, and he's one of um, the leaders of the program. And then these ones, um, these men uh, who are not holding the certificates are staff members who would have helped host and mentor the others through the school. This other picture is one of our nurses at the free medical clinic giving some care to a local woman. So I'm throwing a lot of information at you, but I'll allow you to ask questions and stuff later. This is the whole facility in Vanuatu. Um, the big building in the middle is our training center. <clears throat> There's also a diagnostic lab in there where they can teach locals to identify um, tropical diseases with microscopes and everything, very cool. The um, building more in the foreground, I guess maybe I have a pointer. Um, do I have a pointer? No, okay. The building in the foreground here is the free dental and medical clinic. And um, in the distance, the long building is uh, families housing. The students are housed in the main building in the middle, but families and staff members will be in the far building. And then beyond that, you can probably just barely see a little triangle back there but that is the um, Nakamal, which is the hut where they meet for mat time. And this is staffed all the time then? Yeah, yeah, it's running um, continuously. I think they run two discipleship training schools per year. Um, I, I think the diagnostic lab program has slowed down um, because our scientist, April Harper, couldn't get into the country for some time. So um, she's got a biology chemistry background and she uh, goes through Papua New Guinea and Vanuatu and other places and, and teaches people how to um, diagnose tropical diseases. So, And this is at night, one of the huts. This is a group of the guys meeting for mat time. Um, yeah. There we go. Okay. So the roles that we currently fill um, at Marine Reach, <laughs> I've zoomed you guys way out to like the founding of YWAM and our vision and stuff. And then we've gone through what is Marine Reach, our organization, actually up to in broad strokes. Um, just because I want you guys to know a little bit about um, the people we're working with. But... Um, We'll focus right now on what Danny and I are doing now. So we've been staff members on the Discipleship Training School. We've, been, we've gone with the teams to go do outreaches in years past. 
And presently we're filling some kind of logistical roles to help the base run. So we both uh, teach lectures for the discipleship training school. So there's a week where we talk to the young people about what it means to have a godly relationship. Danny and I have been teaching that for the last year and a half. Um, and we teach some subjects for the Discipleship Bible School as well. So I have taught that week on King David and the wisdom literature. And then both Danny and I have taught on the books of the kings of Israel. So Chronicles, Kings. Um, and then Danny's done some small New Testament books as well. First and Second Peter and Jude. And then we're both involved with mentorship uh, of the staff and students. Danny and I really have a heart that, I mean, the, the base, the, the missions training center overall, there's this big emphasis on seeing the lives change of the students come in. But then oftentimes people who are students will get invited to come back and be staff members for some time. And so Danny and I really have a passion that the staff would still be growing in their faith and would have people mentoring and pouring into them as they pour into the students. So every week I'll meet with two to three guys um, and then we'll have people hosted in our home. We have had people come meet each other, get engaged, and we did pre-marriage counseling with them recently. Um, and we <laughs> photographed weddings and um, it's just, it's just really cool to be able to um, to minister and make a difference and have a relationship with young people in this really pivotal season in their life. That's me teaching during the relationships week. We, we actually cover like how to have honoring family relationships, um, how to have God-honoring friendships, but everybody always wants us to get to romantic relationships, but we make them wait till the end of the week. <laughs> Um, I also cover the grounds maintenance and some of the transportation and special projects uh, tasks on base. And I sit on a um, base logistics and pastoral care team to make sure events get pulled off properly and to plan uh, programs for our staff to have uh, really good care and um, support. Danny assists with immigration and visa law. So all of our international people coming in need to be able to legally stay in New Zealand. And so Danny helps them figure out what visa they need, how long that's for, checks up on them and makes sure they renew their visa or change to a new one so that our staff members can stay in country. It's much more convenient when your staff members can stay in the country they need to be in. And then Danny writes and compiles the monthly newsletter for the whole ministry for Marine Reach. And that's been, you know, she won't talk about how important that's been, but I will talk about how um, during the time that students weren't coming in to pay tuition fees, the monthly newsletter for the ministry kind of kept us afloat because people could hear about what's being planned for the future and schools, and they would give donations that really helped us make it through COVID, which was a very uncertain time, as I'm sure you all have experienced. So there's a few pictures of us doing um, our jobs, and there'll be some pictures of my family at the end, because that's fun. <coughs> this is me 
riding a cantankerous old tractor that is a real piece of junk, but we still need it and we don't have money to, <laughs> to buy something new. So um, you can see it's quite muddy here and uh, we've gotten to the point where we have enough New Zealand-based staff that bring their cars that were overflowing our concrete <laughs> parking lot. And so everyone was getting stuck in the mud. So this is me driving some gravel around to fill in the lower car park with gravel. If any of you feel called to come to New Zealand and help me build a drainage system so the gravel won't wash out, that would be a great blessing to me and a pleasing aroma to the Lord, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> this is one of the newsletters that Danny wrote. Danny writes about three quarters of the articles for this, and um, we send it to a graphic designer to make it look that good because with three kids, Danny doesn't have time for that. Um, that's a very cool ministry. And there's our kids. Fairly recently. It's crazy how much I need, to, how often I have to update this slideshow with kids because they just change so quickly. Um, for those of you who aren't as familiar with us, this is Lazarus. He was just born eight months ago. In the middle we have Jemima. She is sweet and spirited and spicy. And on the far side, we've got Samara. She's our eldest, and she's very sweet and kind of soft-spoken until you get to know her. And then she comes out of her shell. Um, I made this slideshow very soon after the birth of Lazarus, so I was enjoying watching these looks on the girls' faces. <laughs> just, oh, they've just loved having a little brother. So I threw those in there just for, just for fun. And, um, yeah, there's all of us. This is in our, our home. We currently reside in a two-bedroom cottage, um, which has been a great blessing. We, we moved out of a very small 450-square-foot one-bedroom apartment. Um, when we had, just before we had Lazarus, we moved to a little cottage, and we are just in love with it. It's real fun. Okay, that's, um, that's the work that we're doing in New Zealand. Um, I don't know exactly when I'm meant to be done, to be honest, but if there's any questions, I think I have time to um, talk with you guys about it. In the Vanuatu picture with the certificate, they were all the women? Or certificate? Most of the women were certificate. Mm. Is that because of the, the makeup of how Vanuatu it is? Do more women come through? Do they have more time? Is it just the men are? Mm. Why weren't there more men in why were there? Why were the women the main ones holding certificates? Um, the individual makeup of schools, I don't know if I can find it, but uh, I won't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> the individual makeup of schools varies. Um, I think that there are a lot of women that get drawn into the work in Vanuatu because some of the vision of the missions training center we've built in Vanuatu is for social justice. And so a lot of times women are caretakers of the children. A lot of times because of that, they'll end up in our free medical clinic with the kids. And then a lot of the time if they repeat coming in um, to the clinic, then we'll have something of a relationship and they'll share about their situation, whether they've been through abuse or uh, poverty or whatever. And so um, because of that, a lot of uh, people come to do our, our mission school out of relationship. Um, 
So a lot of the times, a lot of the relationships that get built through the medical clinic, which has been there for a long time, are with women. Um, but there are schools where we have um, quite a few men come through the Vanuatu base. Um, usually, I don't know, there's a strange dynamic in missions where you end up often with more w women than men in many missions organizations. So I don't know, our ratio is more, uh, we, we recruit generally, usually, more women than men for most of our schools. But, yeah. Anybody else? How big is the Vanuatu village? The village that it's in? The um, family care center, the whole complex in Vanuatu, is in an area called Teoma Valley. Um, it's purposely built outside of the capital. It's about a 20 minute drive from the capital of the nation. The capital of the nation is um, a city called Port Vila, it's fairly built up. And so about 20 minutes away, you have a city that's probably um, around about 100 or 200,000 people um, nearby. It's purposely built in a smaller village. There's probably three to 5,000 people in the surrounding area and no other buildings like that. <laughs> it's so, like, so how many people can your medical building handle, I mean, how, how many people do you guys see coming yeah. here from, and, and are there more of those buildings in that style of compound plan yeah. in the future? Um, I don't know that there, I don't know whether the ministry is planning to expand to other islands or, um, you have clinics on other islands, right? Hmm? Especially out clinics on other islands. And yeah, areas. yeah, we'll send out, um, we'll send out missions teams, especially our medical focus teams, who have got some medical training along with their biblical training. That's one of the things that we do. We'll send them out to like outer islands to run like wound care clinics, water filtration, um, and things in the outer islands. As far as the free medical clinic that's in Vanuatu, I think when Danny, were, Danny and I were there, there's probably 15 to 25 people a day that come through. Does that sound right, Danny? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if it's expanded or, or shrunk. You mentioned the dental clinic. They also run a dental clinic three days a week. Yeah, I did mention the dental and clinic. Then in the future, it's not like starting yet, but the goal is to eventually open a birthing center and a midwifery oh, wow. um, training program. Oh. Danny's on the cutting edge of news because she <laughs> writes the newsletter. But for those of you who couldn't hear that because she didn't have a microphone, um, the next planned project is a birthing center and a midwifery uh, practice. So they hope to add that to assist local women in birth. Do you get um, professional doctors, nurses, other stuff coming and volunteering for short times in that? Yes. Also, is that yeah, and if you are a medical professional <laughs> or you know of one who has a heart for missions, um, I think we're always looking for help with that. But, you, um, <laughs> you know, to be honest, that probably would be a legitimate ministry in a developing area. <laughs> Chicken corrals. Um, yeah, so we have, we've had um, doctors and dentists from Brazil, from Germany, from throughout Europe, and then of course the United States and Canada all come and volunteer for six months to three, four years. 
um, Melissa, our nurse, I think volunteered, was it almost 10 years that Mel was there consecutively? And just, just left to go back to be near to her family in New Zealand after marrying a man from Vanuatu. Um, yeah, so we, we receive medical volunteers from all over. What's the main religion that is there? So in Vanuatu, it's predominantly Christian. Uh, the, the problem, there's some problems that you run into. Um, some of them you run into anywhere. <laughs> as in the, the culture of the area tends to influence the expression of Christianity. But I think more, um, I, th I think in addition to that, the, the ancient religions of Vanuatu would have been very animistic, um, kind of idol worship, spiritism, and they have um, sort of, practices which they call custom, custom with a K. Um, custom practices are essentially old witchcraft practices that are sort of considered normal culturally and sometimes even people who practice Christianity will be performing these things. And it's often out of a lack of realization that those things are kind of anti-biblical um, and often they're very harmful practices, like if they're trying to solve something medically, a lot of the people we give medical care to, it's because they've had custom medicine, and they had a witch doctor, shaman of some kind, come in and perform some medical work that actually really increased the person's pain and sickness, and took it from a, to a much more acute form of sickness, and then they end up in our medical center. So, um, a lot of the... To answer your question, um, I guess on on paper in Vanuatu, as here, it's a it's more of a Christian influenced nation, but there's a lot of discipleship work to be done to sort of shed light on what the Bible actually says and the values of it, the character and nature of God, and uh, sort of the exclusivity of the claims of Jesus that He's the only way and the truth and the life, and um, yeah, th there's a lot of room for us to grow and disciple people to follow and, and, and worship and revere Jesus alone, above all other gods and, and the Trinity, and um, to shed some of these harmful cultural practices that are still kind of leftovers from the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you might already said this, but That's okay. people... Uh, are coming to your base first, and then you're training for how long? And yep. then you're sending from your base to Vanuatu mm. for how long? Mm -hmm. So what's, what's mm -hmm. the time frame on this? So the main school, for those of you who came in a few minutes after the beginning, the, the main school that we run at our base and the Vanuatu base both is called a Discipleship Training School. That school involves three months of um, yeah, lectures, like religious training, mentorship, meeting with staff members to grow in your faith. And um, a student will go through three months of kind of that growing in your faith. During that time, we'll also kind of feel out if they're ready to do an international mission trip. I don't know what percentage of people we send home, but it's gotta be two or 3% of students don't end up going. 
And the reason for that is because we have had experiences that people need to have some level of maturity in their faith to be really effective, uh, to be humble enough to interface with another culture. Um, so there's a three-month training period and then a two-month outreach. Each school, all of the teams will go. Most of our teams from New Zealand will go to Vanuatu in the South Pacific, not all of them. Some of them have different focuses. Um, our hiking school will often go to um, Nepal because there's a real need for people who are physically fit to go up to villages in the mountains. Um, so that's just an example. We run one of those schools a year. It's called Pilgrimage. Um, and then the Vanuatu base actually runs the, an identical, the same school, and almost all the students are generally from Vanuatu, so they're indigenous um, Nivans they call them, and they'll do their training in Vanuatu, and then most often they'll either go to the Solomon Islands or one of the outer islands of Vanuatu for their um, missions outreach. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Anybody have any other? How yes. old were you when you first started? How old were you when you started with YWAM, and why did you choose that word? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I did my first YWAM school in 2007. I would have been 20 years old at that time. Um, that was in like Maybe 21, I guess. Yes, I was, uh, did my, my, D, my DTS. I did the lecture phase in Panama, and we did an outreach to China, of all places. Um, yeah, so I was 21 years old. I chose to do YWAM mainly because um, at that point in time, as a young person, I wanted to have an experience of being separated from friends and influences, to have a period of time where I could learn about God and decide who in the world I wanted to be in my life. Um, maybe without the framework of home and the influence of my friends and what they expect of me. Um, that was a big uh, push for me at the time and I really wanted to have a good mission, like a solid missions experience to see if I might be called to that, but I wasn't entirely sure. Um, so I went to Panama and had a, a crazy time. <laughs> God, really, God really turned my life upside down and a lot of the things that I was planning toward I, I changed my plans and decided, in, in my case, that I did want to live a life of doing Christian ministry in some capacity, um, and that I was passionate about that. Now, um, it took me 10 years or nine years to get back into YWAM, <laughs> because I came here and was offered a job as a youth pastor, and met Danny, and worked as a painter and various other things before Danny and I really felt this tug of like it's time to get back into missions. So in 2016, we went and were students at Marine Reach, um, this organization that I'm telling you about today. And um, we had a really wonderful experience as a married couple going through the same school for me again. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, just saw God do miracles and reach people and um, yeah, I just saw our faith really come to life in a way through the missions experience that was really formative for us in our early marriage. Um, yeah.
Did you have a question? Or I was going to say we're kind of drawing near to a time. If you hear Daryl got close. Absolutely. <laughs> one question. Oh, yes. You can answer this later. But you mentioned being concerned about spiritual growth of mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. How have you and Danny grown? How have we grown? Yeah. Uh, by being staff members with... Uh, well, just in your time there. Yeah. What have you seen God challenge you? Yeah. Well, during our time in New Zealand, we've become parents um, of three children, all born in New Zealand, and um, we've got to walk alongside other families who are also in that season and wanting to pursue God um, within the context of the season of um, parenting small children. So I think that during our time there, there's been many things that have happened. A lot of them, if you've been a parent, then you'll be familiar with how it has a humbling effect on you. You meet your limitations and, um, yeah, are, are subjected to situations that you don't know what to do with. So I think our dependence and reliance on God um, has really increased our ability to, even the young people that I mentor, I'll be much more slow, much more quick to tell them the truth because I care about the outcome of their situation and much more slow to cast judgment on them because of, um, yeah, be, being a parent and, and being involved in a missions community that's very real life. Um, yeah, that's a, oh, that's, there's so much more. That's a great question. Um, Can I yes, please. Yeah. I have also, because I'm in a stage of life with young kids where I'm not necessarily in the church hearing it, even though I might be at church, I do a lot of um, podcasts and um, doing, I'm doing like the Bible projects, uh, some of their classroom studies to just try to continue to grow for myself along with my own kind of personal devotional and, and Bible reading time and book reading time of Christian books and growth. So I think that's we, how I specifically, have tried to continue to grow over this time. And then it's a matter of trying to teach our other staff that those things are important. It's not just showing up to church mm. and getting a sermon once a week that's sure. going to cause spiritual growth. It's a, it's a whole life sort of a thing. Yeah, intentionality in life. Um, yeah, I'm reminded of one very, very short story in that um, when we were getting close to Samara's birth, just with regards to how I've grown personally, we were getting close to Samara's birth and there were many medical things that were causing us concern. And we, it, it, it was one of those situations where you have sort of a fork in the road and it feels like someone's life is in the balance, like this baby that you haven't seen yet, but it wasn't clear like which decision 
uh, would result in her in her safety or in her making it. Um, and I remember crying out to the Lord sort of at the beginning of this season and saying, God, you need to guide me and direct me because I don't have what it takes to make decisions like this. I've never had to decide things that impact somebody's life like this before. And I, I remember that I just felt this peace from the Lord and I felt this, this sense of God um, being near to me. And, and I just felt this impression of like, Gabe, you have been um, trying to be obedient and, and, and seeking me and trying to follow through with and back up what you think I'm leading you to do for years. And I felt like the Lord was like um, giving me this impression of, um, you are ready for this time. Don't tell me you're not ready for this time. I've prepared you for this time. And you make a choice in this situation and I'll back you up. Like, I'll keep your children safe. And um, as you have sought to honor me, like in this time, I'm going to show up for you. And um, I think the last few years, even with COVID and um, the different things, there's been new things to trust the Lord with, but the season has been really marked by um, the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God and learning to depend on that in a much more profound way than I ever have before, because the stakes are high, the costs are different, but the Lord is faithful. Um, so thank you for allowing us to share. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for Gabe and Danny and their family. Lord, we just commit them to you. We just pray that you'll continue to watch over them and bless them, keep them in your care, give them success and give them continued growth and maturity. Lord, we just pray that you'll uh, produce great fruit through them. We thank yes, you for them now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.